Well, good morning, my friends. It's uh, podcast number 418 for Tuesday, November 16th. Um, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Grab your Bibles, grab your notepads and your pens. I just had a just a phenomenal time of worship this, uh, this morning. Um, just needed to get my heart right before I teach. And uh, just went in and spent some time before the Lord listening to some great worship music. If you haven't heard of the group Shane and Shane, S-H-A-N-E and S-H-A-N-E, both of them by the name of Shane, I would encourage you. They have a uh, an album on the on the hymns from the Psalms, and it's beautiful. And so I just spent some time before the Lord as I got ready to to teach. And I want to go to our memory verse, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who is, has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And then if you would, uh, turn back a few pages to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, verses 16 and 17. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We give thanks to God the Father through Christ. So he is our intercessory. He is... He is our um, counselor. He is the one that we go to to get to the Father. The Bible says in John 14, 6, no man, uh, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. He is the access. And so as we get ready to study the word, I, I think it's important and imperative that we, that we begin realizing that when we read the word as a form of worship, it is not just to gain knowledge, it is not just to be right. It is to be in a right relationship with God. And so as we read the word and study the word, we don't do it and we don't want it to be something that, that causes us to become arrogant. We want it to be an opportunity for us to be able to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and with fear. I believe that's in First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five and um, uh, where is it? First Peter chapter five. I want to make sure I get this to you so that you have it. First Peter chapter five. I think it's verse fifteen. Is it verse fifteen? Sorry, I'm taking so long. Maybe it's Second Peter chapter five. I don't believe so. I don't think there's no. Nope, there's only. Uh, sec you can see when I do this how imperfect I am. I, I hope you're. <laughs> I hope you're good with that. Anyway, I'll find it for you. Um, but it says to be ready to give an answer to every man, and I wasn't ready to give you an answer. Apologize for that. That just came to my heart. Go to Second Peter. Your teacher isn't perfect. Okay. Your teacher definitely isn't perfect. Go to Second Peter chapter three. Verse 14, 
It says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, what are we talking about? The day of the Lord to come. We look back. Therefore, remember, why is it therefore? Looking back at the promises of God, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord of salvation just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, they are some. there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Peter is saying that Paul's words are scripture. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away carried away with the air of lawless people and you lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And what he is saying is we need to stay in the word of God. We need to understand that the word of God is where we find our answers, not our answers just for us, but our answers to give uh, to each and every one. The Bible says, um, so that we can give an answer to people of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and with fear. And, and that is imperative that we understand that, that our lives are not our own, that to be called a Christian is to be called a follower of God, but it, it is also to, to follow the Lord's command in Matthew chapter 28 to go into all the world and to, to teach the gospel to proclaim and to make disciples, not just followers, but to make disciples. And how do we do that? We do that by teaching the word of God, teaching the word of God. In Hebrews, uh, it says that I I desired to bring more than, than milk to you, but you weren't ready. You weren't ready. But when you should have been a teacher, you weren't ready to be taught or ready to teach, but you Uh, still needed to be taught. Now, we always need to be taught, but we also need to be ready to teach. I hope what you're doing when you're listening to podcasts and Bible studies and you're spending time um, in church and listening to your pastor teach, that you're understanding that the goal is that you would one day teach as well. That doesn't mean all of us are called to be teachers, so to speak, and I'm using air quotes, But it means that we should be able to teach, to be able to teach our neighbor, to be able to teach in our families, to be able to share with them. Why? Because it's so important that they understand the word of God. They understand there's a God that's madly in love with them, not mad at them. They understand that that, that God the Father gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that they would know what it means to be saved so that you would know what it means to be saved. Not so that we can be a member of a church and and have our name written on the roll of the church, but that our name would be written in the Lamb's book of life. So let's go to second, or, or Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, I wanna go back to verses nine through 11, and then I wanna talk about a, a different aspect here. We, we looked at Christ's life, we've looked at his birth, we looked at the fact that he's been given a name that is above every name, that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and profess or confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, every knee. 
Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God is highly exalted and bestowed in him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to talk to you about Jesus, our Redeemer, who's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. And I want you to go to the book of Revelation. Don't be afraid. Go back to the book of Revelation, the last book. Say, oh, Gary, we can't understand it. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we need to find Jesus Christ in this revelation. And we do. We do find Christ in this book. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. This beautiful scene. This beautiful scene in heaven. John, the revelator, John who gets this revelation. Chapter 5 says, verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written uh, within on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as one who had been slain with seven horns, with seven spirits, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 uh, elders fell down before the lamb. Picture this in heaven, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying this. This is heaven. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have been made a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He's made us this kingdom of priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain. He was slain to receive power and, and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, to and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and glory and honor and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down in worship. What does this all mean for you and I? Let me read from the ESV Systematic Theology Bible. There's a there are notes in here, and I love this, talking about Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and, and kind of uh, unpacking Revelation chapter 5. It says, an elder comforts John with the news that the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open God's scroll of judgment. Write this verse down, look it up later. Genesis chapter 49, verse 9. Christ, David's descendant, 
and his people's champion has overcome his enemies. But John is surprised to see not a lion, but a slain lamb, the symbol, the main symbol for Christ in Revelation. He's the slain lamb. But notice the slain lamb is standing. Jesus Christ paid the price with his blood for your salvation and for mine. He is our redeemer and he is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. And, and John gets this beautiful picture in the revelation of him standing. Christ, whose seven horns, seven horns denote great power, whose seven eyes uh, signify great wisdom. He triumphed as victor by dying as a victim. He triumphed as victor by dying as a victim. He triumphed over death, sin, and the grave by giving his life, by being willing, by being willing. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the verse we looked at uh, this week. Even the son of man came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When John depicts the lamb's blood, his violent death as ransoming people for God, he paints a beautiful picture of redemption. For Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb who was slain, John 1.29, he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is God's redeemer. John assuming a state of bondage out of which people must be redeemed. He focuses on the redemption price. And what is that price? It's the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. In the opening doxology of Revelation, John teaches that the Redeemer shed his blood for us because he loved us. And that redemption is liberation for our lover and Redeemer who freed us from our sins by his blood. That's in Revelation chapter one, verses five and six. Christ's death actually ransomed people from every tribe, language, people, and nation to belong to God. See, true biblical universalism is that Christ's death saves all of God's people from every people, language, ethnic group, and country. It doesn't mean that he saves everyone, but out of every tribe, every language, every country, every ethnic group, there will be people that he saves. The praise receives, reaches a, a crescendo when innumerable angels join the living creatures and elders to proclaim loudly, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And at this all creatures everywhere, not just in heaven, but on earth and under the earth, everywhere adore the Father and the Son. Has there ever been a time in your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where you just stopped and you just said, you are so worthy. You are to be glorified, be glorified through my life, through what I do and through what I say. Be glorified because you alone are the lion and the lamb. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're the lamb of God who was slain. You did this for me. And we ought to stop and we ought to just recognize that every creature one day will bow. They will kneel and they will give praise to the Lord. Look at back to our verse in verses in Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. There, verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted Christ and bestowed on him the name 
the name that is above every name, the name Lord. He was already Jesus who saves. He was already the Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. But one day, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, another name. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everything that Jesus did, he did to bring glory to his Father. Every word that he spoke, he spoke from the Father. He was the uh, uh, the epitome of obedience, the epitome, the epitome of humility and willingness to do nothing on his own, but to do everything to please the Lord. And and Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two and verse five, where we started all this a couple of days ago, have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being found, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he, form. he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Have this mind that is in you, that, have in my, this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Paul wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't something we could attain. But as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ mentally and in our, in, in our innermost beings, we can have this mind that is in Christ being willing to humble ourselves and to be willing to do whatever it takes to bring glory to him. Whatever we do, whatever occupation you have, but use it to bring glory to the Lord. Be the best that you can be at that position. You don't have to be the best person on the job but be the best that you can be because it brings glory to the Lord. There is not the, the Sunday you and the Monday through Saturday you. It's seven days you. You need to be the same person. You need to be consistent. The person who, who is at the job needs to be able to say, hey, that person's a Christian. Years ago, in, in, in a book that he wrote, Josh McDowell said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove that you were a Christian? Would there be enough evidence? And if there was enough evidence, where would the evidence come from? Would it come from your pastor, your mother, your grandmother? Would it come from your friends? Would it come from those on the job site who ne don't necessarily know you, but know about you because of the way you are? Not because you're in their face, but because you live out standards that they don't live out. When they think of a Christian, they think, well, maybe this is what a Christian looks like because you live this way. And in your living, your daily life, that living should be a form of worship to the Lord. So I challenge you today. I challenge you today to stop and to begin to worship and then to ask God every single day of your life to make your life a, a light that shines in Matthew chapter five, it talks, verse 16, it talks about being a light that, that shines, that your, your works would shine a light and they would, they would see your works and not glorify you, but glorify your father in heaven. That's the way our lives should be. Every day, seven days a week, we should shine the light of Jesus Christ. It should shine in us and it should shine through us. Let me pray for us in Numbers chapter six. The, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you grace, uh, grace and peace. God bless you until we, until we talk again.